The word Hanukkah means dedication, and Israel National Radio is offering you, our listeners, the opportunity to dedicate a show or a shout-out to your friends or loved ones for just a minimal donation to the station that you love. Now, your donation will help make your favorite station brighter by helping us to purchase some needed equipment to serve you better. Now, what will happen is one of our show hosts will read out a blessing from Israel, or really just about any sentiments that you like. Just email programming at israelnationalradio.com and we'll send you all the information you need. But you need to hurry. All dedication requests must be in by mid-December to ensure your dedication can go out with fanfare. Again, email programming at israelnationalradio.com and be a Hanukkah light to the world. And happy Hanukkah. Shalom and welcome to all of you lovers of Hashem, His Torah, Israel, and the Noahide Nations. You're on the Noahide Nation show once again here on Tuesday. I've got my good friend Adam Penrod. I'm your and I'm your co-host Ray Patterson. But Adam, let me go ahead and bring you on in here. How you doing? I don't know if I'm a co-host or not. You're a co-host. Well, I guess if you're a co-host, that <laughs> that implies I must be a co-host well, as well. Yeah. So we are co. Host. Co-host, by definition. <laughs> anyway, folks, welcome aboard. Uh, we're glad to have you here. And last week, if you recall, uh, Adam and I kind of got into the subject of Social Security and how that actually works and how theft applies to that particular aspect. But we wanted to kind of broaden the scope a little bit and talk about morals, talk about where morals come from. And I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They come from the Torah, come from God. God told us how we're supposed to live our lives. You know, Adam, when we when we start talking about the Torah and when it was given at Sinai, you know, a lot of people think, well, that's where Torah first began. Well, you know, it's not necessarily true, and we'll kind of get into that in a second here. But the one thing that that really is amazing to me is how much mileage Hashem gets out of everything that he does. And in this particular case, when he provided the Torah, and I'll say Torah for all of mankind, uh, for Israel specifically, he gave it to each individual to teach them how to have a moral life, how to have a relationship with Hashem, how to have a relationship with your fellow man. But at the same time, he gave it as a, a nation-building process. Here's how you go about having the the best nation you could possibly have, the most moral nation you could possibly have. Follow this Torah. Here's the instructions on on how to do it. And in order to have a a Torah-based society, which leads to a Torah-based government, you have to have Torah-based people which is kind of why we were talking about you know, Social Security last week, and we'll bring you know, in other examples as we go here. But it all stems to Torah and, and where morals come from. And you know, we've all heard the saying, and you know, for those of, of, of us who haven't, the sages teach, and I don't know if even if it's the sages, because I, I can't give you a name of a sage, but I know with, with certainty that 
people deserve the government that they get. They, I mean, they elect the government, and they elect the government based on their own self and the way they're living their lives, and so therefore they deserve the government that they select. And in many cases around the world today, we see people retaliating and, and fighting against the very government that they have put in place or the government who has chosen to be over the government, people. The government that they deserve. Exactly. The government their actions have created for themselves. Yes. So really, when it gets right down to it, if we, if we want to have a, a moral government, then, you know, my gosh, we need to be moral ourselves. So, so what does that mean? And, and yes, Hashem gave the Torah to Israel, but you know what? If they have to be moral, how much more so do Gentiles? And we were given, I mean, the Torah means instruction. Gentiles were given instruction, and that was at the time of Noah. And if we were to follow those those basic laws, you know, and I don't, I don't want to trivialize it by saying there's only seven because those seven lead to thousands. It just depends on the application. But if we were to all follow it, we'd have world peace, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, at, at Mount Sinai, God gave. Uh, I mean, you had the the, the Noahide laws given to Noah, but they were also given again at Mount Sinai. At, at really, if you think about it, at Mount Sinai, God gave again the Noahide laws. He gave the, the laws for the Jewish people. He said. Anybody who wants to have a successful business, Jew or Gentile, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And we see in the prophecies, and the prophecies where, you know, uh, you know, the people of the nations will, will beat their, their, their swords into plowshares, where the, 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 the lamb and the lion are going to lay, lay down, right? And, and, and all this imagery of, of universal peace. Where does this universal peace come from? Does God suddenly change human nature? Well, no, I think you can actually, if you change the law and people's individual commitment to the law, you can have that kind of environment. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about Israel ha- having their laws and the nations having their laws. If you, would, if, if you would just stop stealing, what kind of world would this be? If you'd stop killing, what kind of world would this be? If you stop violating those laws, what kind of world would this be? Would there be war? Would there be unrest? Would there be... A disrespect for your fellow human being. What? No, there wouldn't. All the paths of Torah are paths of peace, and you just have to become a person for whom keeping Torah is your primary goal in life. Well, and you really you you chose a perfect word, committed. Anyone can talk about this. And in fact, we have, we have all kinds of politicians who talk about this as if they are somehow more moral than we, the regular folk. But commitment is what it takes. I mean, you have to be committed to changing yourself. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, if, if you if you expect other people to be moral, well, by gosh, you better be moral first. And look within yourself. Get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, what one thing can I do today that was better than what I did yesterday? What can I do to change? If you expect others to change, then you better be able to change yourself. And in doing that, you change the the existence that you have based upon the government that you elect. 
simply because you're now looking at politicians differently. It's not the soundbite. It's not how much money they raised. It's not how pretty and beautiful they are. It is they have morals. If we start electing those kinds of people, we wouldn't have discussions about why do we have to uh, cut the benefits and raise the age for retirement. We wouldn't be having these discussions because the politicians would be thinking exactly the way we're thinking, and that is a government who truly works for the people. And we need to start with ourselves first. And then then we get the government that we, uh, I don't even want to use the word deserve, but what the government we are entitled to at that point because we're worthy we elect people who are worthy to serve us. Let me let me spin it around like this way as well. The Noahide laws, keeping the basic Noahide laws, means that an individual has the right to call themselves a human being. If you keep all seven Noahide laws, that means you are a human being. Right. Now then, let's think about this. That means if you have a government keeping the seven Noahide laws, that's a human government. That's a really human government. It's a humane government. Right. Uh, right? If you have a government that does not keep the Noahide laws because the, the people do not keep the Noahide laws, you have an inhuman government. And that is the situation that we're faced with. It's up to us as individuals. You know, always imagine that every the world is perfectly balanced. On one side, it can go into disaster and chaos and evil. And the other side, the entire world can be uplifted into good and peace and harmony. And the deciding factor is always the individual. Individual has the power to, to, skip the, to tip the scale. And that's what we're saying. Each individual has that power to, make, to, 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 to create a human, humane or an inhumane, a human or an inhuman government. Well, in you know, as as you were talking, it, it kind of got me thinking. Uh, one of the one of the things I remember from uh, a previous administration was this book that was written uh, called "It Takes a Village." You remember the book? You know which one I'm talking about. Uh, I've heard of it. Yes. Okay, uh, which implies that it is up to the government, if you will, to raise your children. Government being the village to raise your your family for somehow they've taken on this obligation or should i say removed it from you as as the parent which you know i don't think that uh, uh hashem or even our founding fathers here in the united states ever intended for the government to be raising children They're lucky to be able to take care of themselves, let alone our own kids. And yet, every day, we hear about things that kids are being taught in the schools, which are not moral. So I I really believe that we need to get back to a time where God was in everything, not this constant effort of people trying to get God out of everything. Because if you take God out of everything, then you have no basis for uh, morals. I mean, what do you compare your morals to? Where do, the mor- where do morals come from? Whatever whatever suits you. Exactly. And the, the thing that's always plagued me was this idea of, of Hashem uh, having created both good and evil. And, and he gave us laws to demonstrate to us that which is good. And uh, he also 
clearly states in Torah that if you don't follow these laws, well then, by gosh, these curses occur to you. And we see it going on. I mean, we see it all around us all the time. It's just inherent. It's built into a creation, you know, seemingly. So there's this balance. So if there's this balance of good and evil, how then can there be a, a, a victor, if you will, how how does good become the victor over evil? Or the other way around, how does evil become the victor over good? And seemingly today, it seems like evil is is winning the war over good. What it, what it really is, is which, which group has more energy, more power in itself. Doing so much good destroys evil. If more and more and more and more people are doing good, that means just by its very nature, less and less and less evil is occurring. Right? So, th- so there's a story in the Torah, and it goes like this. Jacob's daughter Dina was out walking around, seeing the daughters <laughs> of the land. Right. And uh, the uh, the prince of the city called Shechem, which you know his father had, had named the city after his son, saw Dina, desired her, took her, and raped her. Dina's brothers, ten of the members of the, of the twelve tribes, and then specifically two of them actually carried it out, mm-hmm. destroyed the entire city. Now wait a second. The only person who committed a punishable violation was him. He was the only one. He's the one who committed the rape. Mm-hmm. Right? God never punishes the ten brothers or the two brothers, Levi and Shimon, for destroying an entire city. Right. The question is, well, well, why not? And the reason why is, it's very simple, because the city allowed it to happen, did not hold their leader accountable. And therefore, because they went along with it, just as as he was punished, just as he he performed the rape, right? Mm -hmm. And, And they went along with it, right? Well, when he was punished, they were punished along with them. They became deserving of the same fate as their leader. And this is the way, this is, you know, because it, 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 I always wondered, at one point I had it in my head that individuals are one thing and a government was something else. But the Torah tells us, no, a, a government, a people, a society are held accountable just like an individual is. And the same laws that apply to an individual apply to a government. Right. When it comes to government, I mean, you can apply it to anything. War. Let's take warfare, for example. Mm -hmm. We have lots of debates between Republicans and Democrats and everybody on whether Iraq was a justified war. Let's take the first war against Iraq. Iraq was going in to to destroy Kuwait. Right? What did we do in that situation? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that when it comes to a person going in to steal something for somebody else, that's called theft. When a government goes and starts uh, killing people to take their land or their oil or whatever, that's also called theft. There's mm-hmm. no distinction. It's the same thing. Right. If a government or a body, a political body, goes to kill another political body, to destroy it, wipe it off the earth, well, we have a right to treat that situation like we would a rodef. A rodef is where you have a person pursuing another person to kill them, mm-hmm. right? We have a certain, because Shem tells us how to treat that individual who's trying to kill the other person. Right. So we can take these same principles of Torah law, the, the laws for the Jewish people, the laws for uh, the individuals, and we can apply them to governments. So 
we have a, a problem in the Middle East. We have all these Arab countries trying to d- destroy Israel. What's the Torah's attitude about? Forget the fact that God blessed Israel. Forget that the fact that that God is Israel's uh, uh, chosen people. Just take it from a, a purely just reason from the Torah. What is our, our obligation when we see nations trying to s- destroy another nation? Well, what's our obligation when we see one individual trying to kill another individual? We have an obligation to step in and stop it. And we can so we can learn every. Uh, we can base our entire uh, policy, you know, to the UN, to to whatever, based off of the Torah. Well, and see, what we're talking about there is doing it out of out of for moral reasons, mm-hmm. not because it's in the United States' best interest, right? Which is a totally different thing. I mean, you have to do it because it is the right thing to do, and that's it. And how is it right? Because Hashem said that it is right. And we have to look at, as you say, government. Uh, you know, We desperately want to make government separate from ourselves and that we look to the government. Well, we can't do that. We can't do it any longer, that's for sure. We have to look at the government as simply a, a shell that is filled by people, filled by people that we put there. And they work within that shell called government. And they're supposed to be working for us. Well, the only way they're going to work for us is the way they are is the way we are because those are the people that we are electing to put there. So we have no right to complain when they start doing bad things to us. I mean, and I mean bad things as in you know, raising taxes, raising retirement age, basically depriving the very people that they have you know, put, that put them there. You know, more or less biting the hand that feeds it. Mm-hmm. And yes, we always have the opportunity to vote these people out. But when you've got people with so much money and have a, a immoral media, people tend to get swayed. And, and people who don't do the homework are the ones who mostly are easily persuaded because they, they haven't done the homework. They don't know what's true and what's not true. They're basing their truth on uh, uh, some individual who's told them that's the truth. Similar to, uh, dare I say, in, in, in my case, I sat in the church, didn't do any studying, didn't do any homework, listened to the guy at the podium, put all my faith in him, not in what Hashem said. And that was what got me off the track for many, many, many years. And then all of a sudden, and I don't really know why, um, I was... I, I was trying to find the truth because I always wanted the truth, but I finally came to the realization that in order to find the truth, I got to do the homework, and so that's what I started doing: studying the Torah, studying what God said about everything. And I, I, one of the things I realized was that the, the more I began to study, the less I really knew. But I also realized that we in society—it's not just uh, the United States society; I'm talking about world. Society, we're in a bad way, folks. <laughs> Our moral compass is so messed up that, quite frankly, we all need to get back to well, what did the Creator say? What did He say? Now, if you're an atheist, I can't even talk to you. But if you're not an atheist, we all need to look in the mirror and just ask ourselves the question: What did the Creator say about all of this? 
And if you start studying, believe it or not, and I really firmly believe this, that in studying Torah, Torah changes you. It, it can't not change you. If you are seeking the truth with all your heart, then the study of Torah changes your life. It changes who you are. It changes your essence. If we get a majority of the people doing that, then the majority of the people will be electing government officials who are like us, if we can find any. But hopefully people will be you know, growing up and learning Torah and will be able to, to get those people into those elected offices who will make the right decisions. So we are the drivers. If we look at government as a NASCAR, we are the driver of that NASCAR. We're the ones putting that driver in there, I should say. And everyone has a great NASCAR. Everyone's got a great car. But the real winner is a guy who can drive it. Well, we're the ones putting that guy in the NASCAR. And if we want to be the winner at the end of the day, we need to start looking in the mirror today. I agree 100%. Well, uh, Adam, we got uh, kind of a change in, in our show for our listeners today. The last couple of weeks, uh, last few weeks, I'm not sure how many weeks it's been, but we've had uh, uh, Doug Taylor for a few weeks uh, with some outstanding teachings. And we also had Joshua Plank and uh, Rabbi Rufin Mann uh, out of Phoenix. They joined us for uh, uh, one of the uh, segments. And today we're going to have George Brock, who was one of the Noahide leaders in uh, Waco, Texas. And I know when you say Waco, Texas, everybody goes, ooh, oh no, we may have a cult figure coming upon us. That's not the case here, folks. George is an absolutely wonderful man. You've heard uh, uh, him on this show before doing interviews. Uh, but he's one of the leaders of uh, one of the larger Noahide groups, and his group just keeps growing. And it's you know just a, a fabulous group, and I thought it was great to have George come on and, and do some of the teachings uh, to you know help uh, uh, bring Noahides to not just uh, a different revelation, but a Torah different revelation. And I really believe that George is just that guy. So we're going to go ahead and, and get him in here. Uh, we also have a, another guest who won't be with us on this show, but uh, his name is Rabbi David Katz. And he is a, I, I met him, I don't know, several weeks ago. I mean, I, I don't really know him yet, but the more I listen to him, the more I like him. He is a, a rabbi who loves to teach on the Noahides, the people who were Noahides, um, people like Noah, people like Shem. Uh, Shem is, is Melchizedek. Uh, what occurred between Abraham and, and, and Melchizedek? Abraham, Jacob. And he goes on and on and on. Every time I listen to him, I just become inspired at just how valuable Noahides are in God's creation. Noahides being Noahides. Noahides following the instructions that Hashem originally gave us. So I'm really looking forward to having Rabbi Katz come on. Uh, it won't be this week, but it will definitely be uh, next week. And uh, hopefully uh, many weeks after that, uh, uh, he's agreed to uh, do a segment for us on a regular basis. And I think it's just going to be a fabulous opportunity for people, including me, and probably Adam too, to really get to know Rabbi Katz, but really start looking at the, shall we say, the Torah 
of Noah and Shem. So I think that's going to be kind of fun. So we're going to go ahead and step out of here. We're at the bottom of the hour. We need to take a break here, take care of some business. And uh, Adam and I will be right back. So we'll catch you on the other side. See you soon. Hi, this is Lenny Solomon, and I know you enjoy my schlockrock music, and I always enjoy Walter's World, the weekly program on Israel National Radio, Arutz Sheva, that brings Israel to the world and the world to us in Israel. If you want to be informed about events in and affecting the Holy Land, do as I do. Tune in to Walter's World, only on Israel National Radio, archived and available on demand from our radio website. Hi, my name is Sherry Gross, and I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Soon I can be able to say from Israel, as we hope to make Aliyah this year. And I love Israel National Radio because it's the only place that we can get the real scoop on everything. My hope for Hanukkah is that it sheds great, great light on an increasingly dark world. And uh, I wish you all happy Hanukkah. Be well. Shalom and welcome back, folks. We appreciate you sticking around for the second half of the Noahide Nation show. As I mentioned, we're going to have George Brock coming up here. And uh, Adam and I are going to you know, continue on with this uh, theme of, of morals and Torah and uh, you know, what we as a people need to do to make we the people stronger morally and that will by default make our government stronger and and part of us. They will be just simply an extension of us rather than a a self-serving group of folks that seem to be above it all. I mean, <laughs> as the movie said, above the law. Uh, that's what it seems is going on an awful lot these days. Uh, and it's just, sadly, it's enough to make my head hurt, and I don't have enough aspirin to take care of the hurt. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And and uh, but this is so important. This is so basic to us. You know, when we talk about America being the greatest country in the world, can we say that with a good conscience? You know, that's the that's the question. You know, when we say uh when we talk about the America as Israel's friend, can we really say that with a straight face these days? Is that something that we can really say, you know? Um, <laughs> I know one guy who's saying it with a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and I know for a fact it isn't true. He's yeah. clearly demonstrated it. Oh, by the way, I've, I've already chosen who I'm going to vote for in the uh, for the uh, Republicans in the uh, in, in whenever they have their. Uh, okay, is this is this a write-in candidate? It is a write-in candidate. His, his name is uh, his name is Governor Paper Bag. Um, you know, because I, I think that a paper bag would be better than Obama in the White House at this point. <laughs> I don't think he's got enough uh, money to go up against his billion, though. <laughs> he's tough with the fundraising. Yeah, it is, it's kind of hard, you know. 
Oh, boy. But anyway, uh, Adam and I are going to uh, continue on with that uh, in you know the next many weeks. And certainly we hope that you will send in your thoughts and ideas and comments and you know help us out here. We, we want to know what you're thinking, and we want to be able to address some of those things and possibly uh, even do an entire show on it. Hey, if, you've, if you're reading your Torah, you're reading your Mishnah Torah, you're reading your Halakha, and you think you've got some uh, uh, thoughts that are going to be relevant to what we've been talking about, um, then why don't you write those in? I'd love to read them. I'd love to to take a look at them. Get this, you know, get this examined a little bit more from more of a halakhic standpoint as well. Uh, you know, I'm going to be consulting with rabbis, you know, of course. And and uh, I mean, there's a lot to be said here. There's a lot to be said here. And you know, this it's amazing when you commit yourself to keeping Torah that you find that it, it affects every aspect of your life, absolutely every aspect of your life, not just politics, everything. And it really does. Uh, and, and that's what we need to start paying attention to is is that right there. And the other thing we need to start paying attention to is us, ourselves. We need to look deeply into us and ask the questions and give honest answers because change will not occur if you avoid it. So we're the ones that need to stand up for change. We need to be that shining city on the on the hill they keep talking about. Hey, if you don't want the, the negative prophecies in the Tanakh to come true, the destruction of the nations, right, that, that we read about, the war of Gog and Magog and all these terrible things, right? I don't know about you, but I don't get excited about thinking about human beings dying and perishing. It doesn't <laughs> make me happy. I don't care how much I dislike the person. I don't want to think about that. Then you know what? It's your choice. You start keeping Torah. You encourage others to keep Torah. We don't have to face that post-apocalyptic future. And speaking of Torah, let's go ahead and bring George in here right now and share a little bit of Torah with us. George, come on in. Adam, we'll catch you next week. See you later. Welcome, everyone. My name is George Brock, and reading for me today will be Jack McCarter, and we're Noahites. The question is, what's a Noahite? And we'll start with Isaiah 6 and verse 3. Before we do, though, we'll ask a blessing over the Torah. Blessed be Hashem, the Blessed One. Blessed is Hashem, the Blessed One, for all eternity. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who selected Israel from all the peoples and gave them your Torah truth to be a light to the Gentiles. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. Isaiah 6 and verse 3. And one would call to another and say, Holy, holy, holy is Hashem, Master Allegiance. The whole world is filled with His glory. Okay, so we see that the whole world is full of the glory of Hashem. So this tells us that Hashem is everywhere. In fact, all there is is Hashem. So who is a Noahide? It's those who sanctify the divine name. They, they seek always to reveal God's unity through His oneness. This is done by sanctifying for the Noahides the seven laws of Noah and living within their boundaries. When we say sanctified, we mean set it apart. Not just all Gentiles are under the seven Noahic laws, but a Noahide sanctifies it. He sets it apart and uh, for God. So th- they would offer blessings over their food, over uh, all of the things that have to do with the senses that affect the senses that also affect the seven laws of Noah. Okay. Food for thought. A Noahide must be humble. He must be patient. He must be a seeker of truth. 
one who accepts and takes the lower position. Uh, they settle where none would like to be. To the Jew, the Noahide is too is just a little too much going, and to uh, a uh, a going or a Gentile, a Noahide is just a little too Jewish. So we are a balance between the two, and we take the lower position. And when you take the lower position to the Jew, it's uh, you face the death of the lower self. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of terms. First of all is unity. Instead of opposites being at odds with each other, Jews and Noahides fit into a beautiful whole. And uh, the Torah teaches us that uh, the Torah is the refuge for all of creation. And our spiritual sparks, God's supreme unity is the foundation of faith. And it's the root of wisdom and truth. The ultimate purpose of the will of God, which is all there is, is to bestow his goodness upon all. Psalms 147, verse 19 and 20. He relates his word to Jacob, his statutes and judgments to Israel. He did not do so for any other nation such judgments. They know them not. Hallelujah. This teaches us that the Jews are to guard the truth of the Torah for all mankind. And only the Jews were given the Torah, which is the light and the truth. Therefore, all Gentiles must connect themselves to Israel by extension uh, through permission through the Orthodox Jews. God uh, not only chose the Jews to guard the Torah, but they are an example for the way that we are supposed to uh, conduct ourselves. It's not the giving of the Torah, though, but the adherence to the Torah that creates one's righteousness. Just because one receives the Torah on Mount Sinai doesn't mean that you can't turn right around and have the golden calf. One must adhere to the teachings of the Torah, not just be the receiver of it. Our starting point, when you talk to a uh, Noahide, the starting point is to teach them that the antidote to the darkness that they're in is the Torah light. And they must, rec- they must understand that light will eliminate darkness. It's not winning an argument. It's letting the light reveal to them the darkness that they're in. And then even after you're gone, after you talk to them, it's like a, a ship that leaves the shore. Long after the ship's gone, those waves still beat upon the shore. And that's what the light of the Torah does because they can see for themselves the first, for the first time that, what they, that they've been in darkness and they can recognize light. Uh, Proverbs 4 and verse 18 says, The path of the righteous is like glow of sunlight, growing brighter until high noon. But the way of the wicked is like darkness. They know not upon what they stumble. Okay. So those in, in, on the right path are in the light, and the light is the Torah. So Gentiles must learn to become receivers of the light. Is it not better for one to seek the light he has been given than a darkness that he will create? Which is exactly what the verses teach. There are two different mindsets. There's the Eastern mindset, which receives all that the Creator has given, then illuminates it to the world. Well, this is what the faithful Jews do. They illuminate Torah to the rest of the world. 
The Western mindset, though, accepts only what it can to keep its illusion alive. Illusion is the darkness that uh, they have created, thus blocking the light of the Torah. And we see in um, uh, Deuteronomy 4, 2. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor shall you, shall you subtract from it, to observe the commandments of Hashem your God that I command you. Okay, anything that adds to the Torah is an illusion. And according to Scripture, it is walking in darkness. Now, Gentiles have a tendency of either living in the past, the good old days, or they'll live in the future, the better days ahead. The Jews are taught to live in the moment, in the present, in the constant, because the only thing that's constant is Torah. And so that's the present. And one must live moment to moment, because one is threatened by darkness and the evil inclination. You know, at any time, you must be ready with the Torah. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 14 says, Be pleased when things go well, but in time of misfortune reflect. God has made the one as well as the other so that man should find nothing after him. Okay, so we see that God has created opposites. Opposites produce each other and they create each other. Opposites are merely tests to see if you're going to, to uh, uh, give into the evil inclination or you're going to walk in the light. Now, the difference between Jews and Gentiles, then, and we're talking about Goans, not righteous Gentiles, not Noahites, but regular Gentiles are going, is Jews are receivers, and so are the Noahites, and uh, they're givers. They're the givers and receivers of light. Whereas a regular Goan is a taker, which means they're also blockers of the light. I'm going to give an example of this through a story. There was once a religious man who comes to a righteous teacher, and he says, I would like to learn truth. Will you teach me? He says, I will teach you, but your religion may get in the way. No, no, I'm, uh, I'm really seeking truth. Okay, so the righteous teacher begins to teach him. But every time he t- explains a point, he says, well, I, you know, I, I just don't see it that way. It doesn't mean that to me. Or, you know, we were taught differently. And every time he says, God says this, well, it doesn't mean that to me. Well, God says this, we're our group. It's different in our group. Finally, he says, let's have tea. And he starts serving him tea, and he pours the tea until the cup is full. And then he continues pouring it, and it... The uh, religious man jumps up. He says, can't you see that the cup is full? And he says, just as the cup is full, so are you so full of your religion that there's no place for God to put his teaching. And so this is what's happening. What's the problem? The problem is he's blocking the information. He's so full of religion, there's no place to put God's word. And what is it that's blocking it? It's the illusion One must seek truth with an open mind. To receive light, one must make space for the light. Proverbs 6 and verse 23 says, For a commandment is a lamp, and the Torah is light, and reproving discipline is the way of life. Okay, so we see that the Torah is the light. The Jews received the light of the Torah and became the light to the world. One has to be an open vessel to receive. The more that one gives out the Torah, the more that 
they can receive Torah in. The goal of the Torah is refinement of righteous behavior by drawing closer to Hashem. Gentiles need to shatter the vessel to take for itself alone to become a vessel to receive the light of truth. The light's nature, though, is to share its good. The Torah is the antidote that changes one from being a taker to be to being a receiver. That's a giver, because that's the very nature. People who take in Torah, but they do not wish to seek it, to give it out to the rest of the world, are simply to, uh, blockers too, because they're not receiving the nature of that light. That light is causes you to want to give. So if if you want to hoard it for yourself or your race or anything else, then that's not the same Torah that's coming out. Because Torah is to give that light. Because the whole deal is to share light. God's good wants to be given to all. And if you receive that good, you should be a, 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 a the light to the world. Not just your own race. As Hashem taught, as his thoughts become your thoughts, Hashem's ways will become your ways. Last thing we're going to teach here is on um, untying the knots. Gentiles have inherited lies. We've all done this. And so it's like a man riding the train, and uh, he's been told that he's, he should have got off at the last station. Now he can, he's got two choices. He can get up, go sit in the seat facing the direction he's supposed to go and continue on or he can get off of the train and go back to where he's supposed to be. If he does get off then all of this is part of the journey. That's where you're making the things that you've done wrong as part of the things that you do right and so you, you can be rewarded for that because you realize all of this was part of the journey to lead you to truth. As long as you get off that train and seek truth. All right. We're going to talk about the things that keep Gentiles in bondage to their religion. And uh, so this is going to be a little New Testament teaching, but it is to eliminate or untie the knots that's holding uh, Gentiles to their teachings. First question is, why was Paul troubled with genealogies? Let's look at, uh, in the New Testament, in 1 Timothy 1.4. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is unto faith, so do. Okay, he says, uh, don't listen to arguments on genealogy. And it even gets worse in Titus 3, verse 9 through 11. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverteth and sinneth, being condemned of himself. And what he's saying here is, if anyone gets in, starts talking about genealogies and stuff, because he realizes the genealogies that are found in the New Testament or absolutely changes the whole meaning of Christianity, as we'll see here. So Paul knew this, and what did Paul know? Because he was a Jew, he knew that the lineage of the Jews was traced through the Father. We see this in Numbers 1 and verse 18. 
They gathered together the entire assembly on the first of the second month, and they established their genealogy according to their families, according to their father's household, by a number of names from 20 years of age and up, according to their head count. Okay. Now, so we see here that the lineage of the Jews is traced to the father. So Joseph could not have been the father of Jesus if the Holy Spirit was. And if the Holy Spirit was the father of Jesus, Jesus couldn't have been the seed of David. So now the Christian is stuck in a dilemma. If he believes in the virgin birth or the immaculate conception where the Holy Spirit is the uh, the uh, father which is also weird because the Shekinah is feminine uh, but anyway if your belief is that uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit is the father uh, then they're going to have a problem with Jesus becoming the Messiah so you're going to have a choice virgin birth, Messiah we're going to eliminate the Messiah today we'll get to the virgin birth later Okay, let's look at Joseph's genealogy it was given in Matthew uh, chapter 1 and verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the son of the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Okay. Mary's genealogy, we'll find, uh, is in Luke. And Luke takes the genealogy of, uh, of Mary but back to Solomon, but it was through Nathan. And Nathan couldn't be the Messiah. Uh, any descendant of Nathan wasn't the Messiah. It had to come through Solomon as we'll see in 2 Samuel 7, 12, and 13. When your days are complete and you lie with your forefathers, I shall raise up after you your offspring who will issue from your loins, and I shall make his kingdom firm. Okay. We, of course, we know who... who uh, okay. He shall, he shall build a temple for my sake, and I shall make firm the throne of his kingdom forever. All right, so we see that uh, Solomon is the one who is going to come from the loins of, of David and who's going to build the temple. So the Messiah, the one who's going to rule forever, has to be come from uh, David through Solomon, his son. Okay, so we have uh, here the genealogy of David through Solomon, uh, through, Na- uh, through uh, David through Nathan. This is... Uh, Mary's genealogy, and then we have uh, Matthew's genealogy, which does take it back, but if Matthew, first of all, if if Joseph is not the father, what difference does it make? Why do you have his genealogy in there at all? It's because they got to try to get the genealogy through uh, Solomon, but he's not the father, and he, he plainly says that even in verse 16, who, who was the son of Mary. And the genealogy goes through the father, but they want to make it Mary. So it's a trick on words. Then uh, they list Mary's genealogy back to uh, David. But again here, this is through Nathan, which was Solomon's brother, which is irrelevant too. So we have uh, the genealogies don't match up. So the spiritual spark is Jesus did not fulfill the prophecy given by the prophets in the proof text the Torah is the proof text all Gentiles know this to be the Messiah now one can see why Paul has problems with the genealogy and why he calls someone a heretic because he knows 
that if they dig into the genealogies, they find out that Jesus was not the Messiah. It would be an impossibility. Well, shalom for this week. And before we uh, finish, we will uh, say the blessing, the closing blessing over the Torah. Blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has chosen Israel to teach us that Torah truth and implanting eternal life within us. Blessed are you, Adonai, giver of the Torah. I want to thank Jack and Noahide Nations for this opportunity to present this teaching. Israel National Radio presents a new show called Ask the Rabbi. Shalom from Jerusalem. This is Rabbi Shimshon Adel, host of a brand new show, Ask the Rabbi, where I'll be taking your questions about Judaism, Torah, or maybe just some advice on family and relationships. Email your questions to rabbinadel at gmail.com, and I'll be answering them on the air. Don't miss Ask the Rabbi, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. Israel time, 1 p.m. Eastern time.